This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell. Joining me in the studio today are the Toledo Symphony's president and CEO, Zach Vassar, our principal second violin and artistic administrator, Merwin Sue, and we also have a very special guest joining us right here in the studio, coming directly from the ranks of the Toledo Symphony. That would be... I have a little fanfare, violinist. <laughs> Cheryl Trace. Welcome, Cheryl. Good morning. Thank you. And now, this is your first time on Toledo Symphony Lab, is that it right? It is, but it's not the first time I've... Actually, during COVID, I listened to all the Symphony Labs. Okay, well, listening and is as good as being on the show, yeah. as we know. Well, so. Was that a positive experience? It was. It was, <laughs> yeah. yes. Not a COVID it, positive experience. Not a, oh, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> Positive uh, is negative. Negative is positive. Yeah. yeah. I have to buzz that one. Please. So you might be the most well-prepared guest we've ever had. Oh, boy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You actually <laughs> listen to the show. Most of the newbies we get on here are like, you know, complete newbies. They haven't heard the show. They, they don't get it until even after they're here. Yeah. They don't know what to expect. So yeah. you may know what to expect a little bit. Mm, we'll see. What, what's coming there down any the sort year? of like charts to Brad's uh, quizzes that you might be able to see that we can't because we don't have the ability to like d- digest and devour these all at once. Charts to bread's quizzes. Yeah, you know, if they're, they're tells, there may be, okay. you know, this is a is certain question, which C? is always, yeah, there's... Is it always yeah. C? Is you know, there, th- there are those pattern. books that tell you what the numbers are going to be for the lottery. You know, maybe there's something that you oh. could... Right. So basically, if you guess the answers, you have just as good a shot as as winning as if you actually know the answer. Yeah, it's an SAT strategy. This is why I've been losing, because I've been trying to guess less. Guess less, yeah. And it's not working at all. (laughs) That's your New Year's resolution. It was. was. Yes, I'm I'm suffering with my New Year's resolutions right now. This guessing less, drinking more water, awful things. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there is a quiz. I'm splitting it into three parts that we're going to do today. And the quiz harkens to the concert that provided inspiration for today's episode, and that is the concert entitled 19th Century Masters. You've narrowed it down to three composers here. It should be said this is sort of a, a, a chamber music concert. Um, you have a quartet Satz by Franz Schubert. You have a string quartet Opus 13 of Felix Mendelssohn. And you have the Clarinet Quintet by Samuel Coleridge Taylor, a wonderful piece. And Cheryl, you're here because you are playing uh, first violin on that Mendelssohn Quartet, right? That is correct, huh? Yeah, make sure I get that right and that you're playing the right thing, yeah? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. This concert is happening on Sunday. It's January 23rd at 7 o'clock p.m., it is at the Peristyle in the Toledo Museum of Art. You can find the box office number, uh, well, right now at 419-246-8000. You can also get information online at the website ToledoSymphony.com. Okay, Cheryl, here it is. It's time for you to tell your story. Ooh. We know you're a violinist. You've been with the Toledo Symphony for a while, but take us all the way back to the beginning and how you got interested in music. And, you want to go all the way back. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, yeah. 50 words or less if you can do it that <laughs> Oh, way. boy. Okay. But let me let me pull up we, a little music never for you. Enfor- we have never enforced that limit. <laughs> this was originally for the violin, and then it was transcribed for the piano. We're going to hear it on the guitar. It's the only version I could find that I could use in the podcast. 
but it's a great melody here, the Gavotte of Johann Sebastian Bach. So that's your background music. Let's hear your story. Cheryl Trace. Well, let's see. I started the violin when I was nine years old in fourth grade public school. Um, I, we're going to move up quick since I have 50 words or less. <laughs> um, you, can, you can expand a little bit. You know, I always just wanted to play the violin. So when I went to, when I went to Butler for music... I got an education degree, but and I didn't have any idea about, oh, what it's like to play in an orchestra or like have a job as an orchestra player. I just knew I wanted to play, and things just kind of evolved, and I took auditions. And um, my first big job was playing for 10 years with the Puerto Rico Symphony. Wow. And you cannot beat a tropical island. That's <laughs> It was, yeah, marvelous. So actually, what, now, what was the audition for the Puerto Rico Symphony? Uh, I it, mean, It was pretty standard, but the, the format was unusual because of the time. Um, you sent. I sent a cassette tape to wow. the yeah uh, yeah to the committee, and just um, a few years ago. Just yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they listened to the tape, and if they wanted you to come, then they paid round trip. Oh nice. For you to fly down, they flew me down, and I played another audition for a committee of principals, and it was just kind of a bunch of people sitting in a room, and I just played some excerpts, and did the round trip, and then they gave me another one way ticket back to move there and a relocation allowance. Wow. And um, I think five years after that, they started coming to New York and listening to people and not, yeah. But the Puerto Rico Orchestra was all government funded. And at the time, there was was money to do all that. That's great. Yeah. Even if you didn't get the job, it'd be nice to take a little trip out to Puerto Rico and do the audition. So where'd you go from there? After Puerto Rico, um, I stayed there 10 years and then started taking auditions, wanted to move back to the States, and ended up at Hartford. Mm-hmm. But what they didn't tell me when I took the job was that they were being locked out by management. So I had four operas that year with Hartford Opera, and that was it. Wow. And ended up taking an audition in Toledo and getting the job. Yeah. So I've been in Toledo since 91. So you can assume that I probably got that job when I was 12. <laughs> and totally. yeah, I've been here for 30 years. Yeah. Amazing. And it's been quite... Happy anniversary. That's Thank a big, you. That's a yeah. big deal. Yeah. yeah, 30 years. Now, how was the audition in Toledo? Can you go back and tell us a little bit about that experience? Um, I mean, did you get a, a, a one-way flight to... Oh, Toledo. back to Toledo. No, <laughs> right. No, just took the audition, and, and they had they had a couple of spots open in the second violin section. And, um, I mean, it was just, yeah, it was more of a standard audition behind a screen and then, you know, for the committee and all that. And it was... Yeah. Yeah. It was your, your standard thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's great. Well, again, happy anniversary to Thank you. you. And thanks for uh, joining us today. I want to get to uh, the first part of our quiz. Now, this is a kind of a weird hybrid uh, quiz. There are a few different questions where I have quotes, and you have to identify the quote. There are other questions where I just have clues, and I don't really have multiple choice. I, I can add some more clues as we go along. Mm-hmm. But we're looking at the 19th century. It's a 19th century pop quiz. And it's about characters, events, all of them somewhat related to music and classical music from the 19th century, okay? Wow. So we're going to do three questions in this first round. Uh, you don't have to answer right away. Uh, we, can, we can check the answers after we do it. Okay, so I'm going to give you a quote, 
and you have to tell me who wrote the quote, to whom or what events it refers, okay, and who it's about. All right, I, now, I, I, have I confused you, or are you with me at this point? Kind okay. of with you, but you keep saying <laughs> you and looking at me, and you mean like the... You, you, I mean, all, all of three us in of the room. Like, yeah. right. okay. yeah. All the of you collective. in the room. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Let the me bring up you. some. <laughs> the royal you. Okay. Little Mendelssohn here. Hmm. Oh, see, the, this is good. This is, yeah, I like this. This, yeah. is, this is much Aww. better than the Minute Waltz. <laughs> Anything is better than the Minute Waltz. Okay, we're, we're <laughs> keeping it kind of 19th century here. All right, here's the quote. I'll say not much about our monarchs and our monarchies. If you want to read about that in the papers, oh, if you want, you can read about that in the papers. What I prefer is the empire of the mind. So the question is, who is writing that quote? Who is it about? And what events were going on at the time related to that? Okay. Okay. The second movement, or the second uh, <laughs> movement, second movement of our three-part quiz is this. Another quote: His music seems to me to be about devotion to a perfect ideal, something pure, better, higher. Who is talking? Who are they talking about? And what is the event that precipitated this particular quote? It happened in. I'll give you a clue. It happened in 1830. All right. Now that we're naming years, we move to the year 1816, also known as the year without a summer because a volcano by the name of Mount Tambora erupted, spewing volcanic ash, eventually lowering temperatures across much of North America, part of Western Europe. On the sunny side, 1816 also saw the premiere in Rome of one of the most famous operatic comedies of all time. The main character's catchphrase is known all over the world as a cliché of opera. What is the opera? Who wrote the opera? And what is the catchphrase? Okay, so I got to say, these are probably the most esoteric of, of all the quiz questions today. Wow. So the okay. first one, The Empire of the Mind. Anybody know who wrote that quote? What famous composer? I'm going to go with Beethoven. That was yeah. Beethoven. Yeah, very good. And he was writing about monarchy. That was clear. Yeah, he was writing about monarchy. Oh, so I've had who? butterflies. Butterflies, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and So I presume this has Napoleonic to do something invasion. with Napoleon. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Napoleon. Yeah. Give that to Zach. Now, I, I'll just say the last part because it's a little bit a little bit obtuse here. Is The Napoleonic Wars which had a big effect on the city of Vienna. I mean, there's stories about Beethoven writing the Emperor Piano Concerto while the bombs were going off outside his window, you know, and you can imagine Beethoven rushing over to the window and yelling at the soldiers to stop so he could finish his concerto, that sort mm -hmm. of thing. So I'm giving one to Merwin, one to Zach, and... We so Cheryl, you have to just jump in and interrupt. I no, yeah. there, there is, there is no, there is no politeness factor here. There is no decorum. <laughs> so the second movement, as it were, <laughs> yeah. his music seems to me to be about devotion to a perfect ideal. Yeah. Who is talking about whom? Two Mendelsohn? composers. Mendelssohn about Bach. Bach. It is Mendelssohn Bach. Yeah. I don't know what the event is though. 1830. Is that the premiere of the Passion? Is it the Passion? Yes. Okay. That was the premiere of the Passion. So. Okay, Zach has got three, and Merwin has got two. And right? Cheryl needs to watch less Netflix. So, <laughs> <laughs> I know, of course, that, that Mendelssohn 
found St. Matthew Passion, did he discover all the Bach Passions? Or discover? I don't think discover like, that, That's not the right word, but like yeah, re, re-proclaim. Like the St. John as well? Well, the St. Matthew Passion was sort of the, the seminal event that's the one. in 1830. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the one that got people interested in Bach again. And, and Mendelssohn, you know, was in a position as a conductor yeah. in, in Leipzig. Yeah. Which also was home to Bach, right. you know, to, to really bring that music forth. I don't know if there were specific performances of the other passions, yeah. but uh, the one in 1830, that was the big enchilada. As when it were. was the Gewandhaus built? It was it, it was Mendelssohn around for that? Uh, I don't think so. I think he had a predecessor. I think yeah. you, you know. Okay. You don't uh, don't put me on the spot here because okay. You know, sorry. I'll just sorry. Start, I'll, I'll step back. I'll, I'll start back. making things up like okay. I do <laughs> for my regular show. Lower your gaze. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One more question here. Let me bring back this uh, music because it's perfect quiz music for this. Okay, the year was 1816. Mm. We talked about the most famous operatic comedy. Um, we want. Who wrote it, the composer, the name of the opera, and the catchphrase of the title character, which is kind of an operatic cliche. I didn't know Laugh-In was was that old. (laughs) Sock it to me. (laughs) Yeah, no, not Laugh-In. Sorry, I just lost another point. Is this Rossini? It's Rossini, yes. Yes, Barbara Seville. (laughs) And what's the catchphrase? Come on, Cheryl. You have to sing it for us. Cheryl, you can get a point. I'll be back. (laughs) We're giving you all all the points, Cheryl. Uh, I don't know. Sing it for us. Bugs Bunny. (laughs) Figaro, Figaro, Figaro. She she only knows the second violin part, so it's just harmony. (laughs) (laughs) Next (laughs) (laughs) Next time, bring your violin. Okay, so I've got Merlin like with one, two, three, four. Zach <laughs> with one, two, three. And, and once hey, again, if you, if you want to sing, sing a baritone aria, you can totally just jump into the lead. <laughs> That's so, worth the most points. <laughs> um, at any rate, it looks like Merwin won that round again. Okay, and I say again because again. yeah, he's he wins dastardly. pretty much every round. Yeah, guessing less. Oh well. Well, there's still two more quiz sections to go. So, let, I like let's, the um, speaking of Merwin, why don't speaking we uh, turn the <laughs> mic over to <laughs> Merwin and uh, tell us about this Franz Schubert piece because uh, you're playing on it and you've done this before. And I wonder if you can give us a little bit of a little bit of prep work as far as this piece goes. It's really interesting because yeah. Franz Schubert, um, he wrote quartets throughout his very relatively brief life, but I think the first few quartets that he wrote were very much house music sorts of pieces, mm-hmm. pieces where he was performing with his family and they were, I mean, the fact that they are now published and available were kind of incidental to the reason that they were written. But Schubert's last quartets are something entirely yeah. different. They're on a just an amazing plane of invention. Um, it's interesting in that I don't I don't really think of them as having evolved from the Beethoven quartets. It feels like there's an it's almost like an entirely yeah. different evolutionary path, and they're just um, they're they're just amazing pieces of music. They're some of my favorite pieces. The those last three or four years of Schubert's life, just yeah. insanely great work. Um, the quartet sats is kind of that first step into that. He never. It's kind of like the unfinished symphony. <laughs> in that he didn't finish this quartet, which is why it's 
known as the quartet Zotz, a piece of a quartet. Yeah. But all of a sudden, you're going from this well-constructed house entertainment music to something that just can bring chills down your spine. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, really, it's really amazing because I think uh, Schubert has, throughout his entire life, was a master of miniature constructions. But then as he, as he grew as a composer, you just see him master these large scale works. Mm. And yeah. even though this is just a single movement, you can just, you can, you can sense something bigger coming. And they, so I think it's, it's, it's a really interesting uh, choice of opener because I think it kind of, it's, it sounds like a harbinger. Right. Did well, I say uh, that word right? You did. <laughs> that that always scares me. That word. A harbinger of things to come. Yes. I, you know, people always think of Schubert as a songwriter. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. he wrote over six hundred uh, songs. Well, I wasn't aware. With our And uh, <laughs> you know, and, and either yeah. that or maybe mm -hmm. the string quartet music, because yeah. there are some remarkable works there, or for the piano. So he, you know, he worked in smaller forms. But like you say, and, and he did write symphonies from the time that he mm -hmm. was, you know, able to, to walk practically. Well, not quite, yep. quite there. The great but, symphony is one of Zach's favorites. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I hear it's a great symphony. Um, it's yeah. superlatively named. Uh, but it, so, so this was not intended just to be a single movement. I mean, there is a second movement with sketches, right? There is a sketched second movement part. And, but we're only playing the first. And, and there's there's a Brahms component to this piece. I I feel like he oh. inherited the the transcript. I don't know that it was published in Schubert's really? lifetime. Wow. I think Brahms kind of celebrated the movement and ensured that it was um, it was published. Yeah, Brahms was a bit of a musical detective, as we know. He yeah. discovered a lot of Bach works and uh, other composers' works as well. That sounds like a Netflix series. Brahms, <laughs> yeah. the musical Brahms detective. detective. <laughs> Brahms detective. Desire you Johannes. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Um, well, do we have anything else we want to say about Schubert before I move to the second part of our quiz? Let's move to the second part. Okay, let's move to the second part. Speaking of Schubert, here is some music by Schubert. Ooh. Again, played on a very old piano to give us the sense of the 19th century. Okay, 19th century, part deux. <laughs> Three different questions here. You can answer them at the end. This 1840s phenomenon centered around a famous composer-performer which foreshadowed celebrity culture of the 20th century. It was also considered to be a contagious medical condition which could be psychologically immunized against. What, who was it about? What was the official term? And who coined that term? Okay. Now, the next one... <laughs> Vague statement, vague statement, I vague had, statement. Question. I will give you. I'll give you more clues when we come back to I, it. I had no idea that Jaws could drop so far <laughs> inside, inside masks. masks. I inside masks. I yeah. had no idea. All yeah. I wrote down was 1840s question mark. That's yeah. 1840s. It was a phenomenon that happened. Mm -hmm. began in Berlin in the 1840s. It's oh. very famous. Can there was just... a movie made about it. Um. You know, yeah, if right. I tell you the director, then you'll figure it out. But okay. No, no. Oh, well, maybe second. Moving on. Second question. Second movement of our second movement. <laughs> Can you name another composer performer of the 19th century who elicited a similar response, positive and negative, 
He was rumored to be in league with the devil, hence his supernatural powers on his instrument. Okay, that's the second question. The third question is, which of these instruments was not invented in the 19th century? Your choices are the harmonica, the tuba, the accordion, the concertina, and the saxophone. And as usual, it can be all of the above or none of the above. So it's a double negative if you choose none of the above. Not, <laughs> not invented, okay? Harmonica, tuba, accordion, concertina, and saxophone. So those are the three questions. Let's go back to uh, number four here, the 1840s phenomenon. Does anybody have a clue as to who that is about? It was a movie made by Ken Russell. Do you know this movie? Reefer Madness. <laughs> no, no, but... Uh, Augustus Reefer, great, great, great composer. <laughs> Born on April 20th. <laughs> it's about a composer who was uh, wildly successful, especially so, with the ladies. So List? It, Franz List. Oh. Yes. Listomania? Oh. Listomania. There was a that was total guess. I, vaccine I just... against listomania? Seriously? Well, I mean, it was like a mental vaccine that people okay. would gird their mental loins they would against. Just listen you know. to the Bacchella suites and the... <laughs> yeah, Wait, something like that. You said gird their mental loins. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna write that down. That was fantastic. That might be an FCC yes. violation. I'm <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's okay. I think we're all right as long as you know nobody is listening anyway. So, <laughs> can you tell me who came up with the term listomania? George Sand. Yeah, no, right. it, wasn't, it wasn't George Sand. No, it was okay. it was a German poet. Oh wow! An alliterative German poet. Oh, Heine. Heine. Heinrich Heine. Mm. Yes. So Merwin swept that category. You know, he wrote a great piece, Heine Klein and Nachmusik. Yeah. <laughs> oh. That's a good amount. That, yeah. that gets half a point <laughs> for that wittiness, that witticism. I thought that was a sad trombone moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have to gird my loins for that one. My mental loins, right? <laughs> there we go. I want everyone who's listening, I want every single person, the, the one person who's listening to know that that was actually Cheryl laughing. That was not the Mozart laugh. <laughs> that was, yeah. That's right. Although yeah. you do sound a little like Mozart. Let's find out. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. close, yeah. You've got the right key. A little oh. bit close. Um, okay. All right. So that one... That's one. That's three points to Merwin. Okay, half a point to Zach. <laughs> All right, number five. Can you name the other composer performer of the 19th century who elicited a similar response, rumored to be in league with the devil? Any uh, guesses there? Paganini. Paganini yeah. Oh, Cheryl. One point. Yeah, yeah. Cheryl gets a point. <laughs> the great violinist Niccolo Paganini was rumored to be in league with the devil for his supernatural powers on the violin. Okay. Which of these instruments was not invented in the 19th century? Harmonica, tuba, accordion, concertina, and saxophone, all of the above or none of the above? I feel like none of the above. So none of the above I feel were like not... the accordion is older. Yeah, some of these everything. are older and some are newer. Unless yeah. there's like a precursor to the, you know tuba or saxophone as we know it that would have been in there yeah well don't forget that i get my answers from the internet so it could be you know could be fudging the dates a little bit but they were all supposedly invented oh, wow. during the 19th century so yeah so which of these instruments was not invented um none of the above 
because they were invented, so right? All of, Have I got all of that them, right? So none, <laughs> none is the correct answer for the double negative, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's what I thought. Isn't that what you said, Merwin? No, it's totally not what no, I said. No, you said the opposite. I said the okay. opposite. Okay, so nobody got that one. But I was well, also... Well, somebody would have. It's kind of a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> somebody <laughs> eventually would have. I got that one, so I get the well, points. <laughs> And actually, there's one, two, three, four, five points for that one. Yeah. Oh, wow. Is this, is this how Ken Jennings is still winning Jeopardy? <laughs> no, exactly. but there, it is uh, it reached an all-time dollar high right now. Wow. Yeah. Good, for her. Mm-hmm. Good for her. Yeah. yeah. Okay, um, well, we can safely say Merwin is still in the lead. And Merwin won that, that second movement there. Although he's Cheryl always, he's always was good I got with a the point. Nadagio. I'm so happy. Yeah. Yeah. You got a point <laughs> yep. on Symphony Lab. That's a like a you can put that on your resume. Like totally. So so <laughs> now if anybody ever asks you, Cheryl, what's your point? <laughs> oh. You'll be able to say, Well, for Paganini. <laughs> a point for Paganini. I'm all for the uh, alliteration. I want that buzzer button. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good that you don't control this. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah. There just just, you know, signal point to me and I'll I'll hit it for you. Okay, let's talk about some of the other music. And I know, uh, Cheryl, you're playing that Mendelssohn Quartet. Yeah. Have you, uh, you've looked at it, right? <laughs> yeah, I've glanced at it, yeah. <laughs> Actually, this is the third time that I've had the opportunity to perform this quartet over a period oh, yeah. of um, a lot of years. So every time I, every time I approach it, it's, it's different and better, hmm. and I have more understanding of it. Um, this is like my absolute favorite string quartet to play. It's just so beautiful. Yeah. Mendelssohn, we're talking about Mendelssohn being influenced by Bach. He was also just incredibly influenced by Beethoven yeah. and wrote this quartet a few months after Beethoven had passed. And I think the, the style during that time with the string quartet writing was to try to um, emulate previous composers, the other greats. And Mendelssohn didn't choose the early Beethoven string quartets mm-hmm. to really concentrate on. He was looking at like Opus 135 mm-hmm. and, and used a lot of Beethoven's um, techniques and, and in his writing, in Mendelssohn's writing, um, solo parts like recitatives and fugues. And the, the whole piece is just, just incredibly gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, and for Mendelssohn to you know pay homage to Beethoven, as it were, through the medium of the string quartet, I mean, it, yeah, it's a great tribute, but it also takes some cojones to do that sort of thing <laughs> because you know Beethoven, especially the later string quartets, was a master of the genre. Right. Yeah. Um, and Mendelssohn was only eighteen when he wrote it. Yeah, but well, well, I think it's important to say that he he wasn't trying to copy. Like as an eighteen year old writer, you you might feel like you're trying to copy the tricks of the past. But he, I think he was already at that point paying great homage to what Beethoven was doing. Yeah, right. That sort of like spiritual transcendence of Opus one thirty two and thirty five. He was he was he was in league with it. And I think the fact that he was looking towards the late string quartets yeah. gave him more freedom. Yeah. Because Beethoven was really doing, you know, kind of some wild things then and compared to the, the early, early pieces. And um, it gave it gave him freedom to, you know, well, let's do this and let's yeah. do a fugue and let's do a recitative with a violin and all this. Yeah. Well, it's a wonderful work, a wonderful quartet and, and very rewarding, as you say, to play. I wonder if uh, Merwin and Cheryl, if, if either or both of you want to talk a little bit about the difference between playing this chamber music in the intimate setting of like the Toledo Club and then taking it to the Paris style, which you've had to do for some time now because of COVID. I mean, it's a bigger space, mm-hmm. yet it's intimate music. Your audience has to be socially distanced, as it were. 
How has that experience been for you, taking it to a new place? I think that it's actually been really interesting. I think that there's something that when you're when you're programming a series for the environment at the Toledo Club, there are just certain things that, you know, you kind of have to take into account. And we've been able to do some more percussion work, some more kind of esoteric works. Um, I feel like the scope of the series maybe is a little bit wider um, in terms of the, the type of repertoire we performed at the Peristyle. That being said, this particular program would have been yeah. a perfect fit for the Toledo Club. Yeah. Um, it's... Um, I think there's something about, I mean, there's something about being surrounded by your audience that I do miss. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. it's a, it's, it is, it's one of the things that like, you know, I mean, let, let's face it, in, in, in things the pandemic has affected us or taken away from us, this is kind of lower on the list, but the chance to be able to kind of like, you know, get that instant um, feedback um, is non-verbal, but this sense of like what the audience is thinking yeah. when they're performing—it's a little bit further removed, and we mm. don't. And one one thing I've always mm. loved about the chamber series is the chance to kind of talk with the audience mm -hmm. afterwards, and that's a tough thing to do in this time yeah. period. So, um, so I, I miss that a little bit, but I think you know the Peristyle is a great acoustic space, and yeah. you know I think the having the cameras there to kind of guide listeners mm -hmm. and, you know, you know, kind of, I think that that's, that adds a really interesting element to the experience. Well, it's a different experience to be sure. And you're talking from the standpoint of the, one of the performers, mm -hmm. obviously, yeah. and how it has affected mm -hmm. the way that you interact with the audience. But from the audience point of view, I think that the music survives, you know, the music still draws you in just having a larger space and more space between, you know, people sitting in the, in the hall, there's still this sense of delicacy, I think, that permeates uh, through the performance. So, and, and also this big screens and being able to follow along, it gives you that sense of being close mm -hmm. up and that mm -hmm. sense of, you know, intimacy, which I have to say, still kind of uh, is present even when you have the orchestra there. Okay. Yeah. So the the effects of the pandemic, and like you say, Merwin, this is the least of our worries during this time. <laughs> um, the, the effects of the pandemic, I think, have in some way enhanced the musical experience because it's more important. You put it in context, and you've been forced to find ways to interact with mm. and reach the audience. Yeah, so. I agree. I think everybody appreciates it more because we almost didn't have it. Yeah. So... Yeah, absolutely. I do miss those moments though in the Toledo Club, and and some of those reactions were verbal because I was I was in the <laughs> audience, and you would hear uh, people just kind of, oh, yeah, it's so pretty. You know, you, you hear people whisper to each other, and, mm -hmm. and there was a sense of um, a live experience is happening mm -hmm. because you could see people even just sit you know, with, with pleasure in their posture that they, um, they're being moved by the music or, or, uh, you know, yeah. it, it, unable to sit still because it's, it's so good. Uh, and that electricity is harder to, to experience in a much larger space like the peristyle. So people need to sigh much louder when they, when they <laughs> at the end of a piece. Those, right? those reactions from the audience, I've always kind of secretly wished that after 
you play a particularly difficult passage, you know, the audience cheers or something like they do in opera or like yeah. they do in sports or, sure. you know, sometimes, yeah, you just want to go, yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, totally. But, you have to maybe get an applause sign and put it above, <laughs> you know, and have that light up. I wonder if anybody's done that yet. That's a possibility. Hey, you know, we're full of great ideas here. Speaking Merlin's of writing uh, that down. He's thinking yeah. about it now. Watch this. <laughs> Speaking of great ideas, I've got three more questions on the quiz here, and I'm going to pull up a, a classic 19th century hit tune. Okay. <laughs> All right. Question number seven. These two composers were born in the same year, they both were primarily opera composers, but they represented very different styles. So you have to tell me who they were and assign the quotes. I have two quotes, one by each of these composers. You tell me who they are and which quote belongs to who. So the first quote is, imagination creates reality. Okay. And the second quote is, to copy the truth can be a good thing, but to invent the truth is better, much better. So that's quotations number one and two. All right, moving on to the next question. The 19th century didn't really take off in new directions until the 1830s. Think of the Symphonie Fantastique, or the piano works of Chopin, any number of works. What literary figure was also emerging as one of the most important voices of his time? Okay, so I'll give you a little set of clues here. He published his first stories under the pseudonym Boz, B-O-Z, he perfected the cliffhanger ending that was a hallmark of his work. And he also liked to keep pet ravens. Okay, so that's question number eight. Now the final question, number nine. The final year of the 18th century saw the emergence of songs like O Sole Mio and My Wild Irish Rose. It also saw the publication of one of this composer's most famous works, which earned him the title of King of... And you have to fill in the blank. We usually hear it in its instrumental version, but it does have words. It was turned into a song a few years later after it was published in 1899. So you have to name the composer, the title of the composer, which is the king of what, and then the piece itself, okay? And if you can get that one, then you win the entire quiz. So let's go back to question number seven. These two, I want to give Cheryl a fair chance here. The, <laughs> these two composers were born in the same year of 1813. Do you know who the composers were? They were rivals. They represented different sides of the coin when it came to writing opera. One was German. One was Italian. Verdi and Wagner. Verdi and Wagner, yes. Giuseppe Verdi and Richard Wagner. Now tell me which quote belongs to whom. Imagination creates reality, or to copy the truth can be a good thing, but to invent the truth is better, much better. I so, like the Verdi one for truth. Okay, well, that's right. See if you can get the other one now. <laughs> <laughs> and I like John Lennon for the imagination one. <laughs> wow, so that's Merwin times four. Right? ZW. Okay, let's move on to the second question. But remember, whoever can get the last question can, can yeah. win the whole quiz, all right? Question number eight. The 19th century didn't take off until the 1830s. What literary figure also took off after the 1830s? I said they had the pseudonym Boz for their early works because they called their brother 
Moses, but later explained that it was facetiously pronounced through the nose and became Boses, and then they shortened it to Bose. I guess it's Bose, not Boz. Bose. <laughs> now, um, this writer also perfected the cliffhanger ending because they published their early stories in serial version in magazines, so they always ended with a cliffhanger. And this person also kept pet ravens, including one named Grip, which <laughs> was allegedly the inspiration for Edgar Allan Poe's poem, The Raven. And after Grip died, this writer had it stuffed so he could keep it. I'm sorry, on what? Display. Yeah, he stuffed the raven. No way. That's not a Seriously? euphemism. Yes, absolutely. He stuffed it and kept it. I had no idea. After it died. Well, do you know who I'm talking about? I think it's, yeah, I think so, but. Uh... Well, let's hear it. What do you think? You want to give somebody else a chance? Zach, you want to give this one? Take this. No, you don't. Okay, you I'm don't need to go even. with Dickens. Charles Dickens. Yeah. Yes. Once again. Okay, guys. This is the moment of truth. The final year of the 18th century saw songs like "O Sole Mio" and "My Wild Irish Rose" published. It also saw the publication of one of this composer's most famous works. So you have to name the composer. And this song earned that composer the title of the King of something. You have to name what that is. And then you have to name what this particular piece was. All right? It's a well-known piece by well-known composer. Any I'll, I'll, any clues besides anything? I'll, I'll give it a go. Cheryl, um, you want to hear? I'm not writing down what it is. <laughs> I'm uh, trying to get Mahler in here, but uh, I, I, I fear that it's not it's it's not going to go my way. This is just a clue if, if you can um, see that. I don't know if you can ah. read it. So you have to name the composer, you have to name the piece, and you have to name who the composer was known as. Was it, the king was of it what? Scott Joplin? Yes, it was Scott Joplin. And they were known as the king of... Instruments. No. <laughs> king of ragtime? The king of ragtime. Excellent. One more clue and you win. <laughs> Maple leaf flag. <laughs> Maple leaf flag. It's like a Canadian clue. Wow. That's amazing. Oh, man, oh, man. Okay. Wow, okay. So, so Merlin, Cheryl just cleaned up on that. Yeah. <laughs> Cheryl totally won. And I love we didn't, you guys. <laughs> we, we didn't cheat at all. It was absolutely, absolutely well done. So Cheryl, how's it feel to be the winner of the quiz on your first uh, Symphony Feels Lab appearance? Great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that means we'll have to have her back, boys. I know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the motivation. We, we yeah. want to make sure that she'll say yes next time, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We haven't talked much about the the Samuel Coleridge Taylor piece. This is a clarinet quintet. Mm-hmm. Um, but Merwin, you're playing on this, right? Yeah. 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 Are, are you playing all three works? No, I'm not. Right. I'm playing the Schubert and the uh, Coleridge Taylor. I see. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a great piece of music. Um, I think, it's it's kind of funny when you, when you take a title of a previous chamber concert. We had a Prodigal Songs concert, and that con that title actually applies much better to this program. <laughs> um, so it's also very rare when Schubert is the oldest composer in any sort of um, yeah. any sort of concert, but like because um, he only lived to be what thirty yeah. something. But in, in this case, uh, Samuel Coleridge Taylor also wrote this piece when he was a student, um, and it's funny because um, Cheryl was talking kind of about 
this phenomenon of influence. And this piece is very much about that because uh, the teacher of Samuel Coleridge Taylor, um, Charles Bullier Stanford, um, basically charged Coleridge Taylor. Almost, it was almost like a challenge. Like, like, how do you write a clarinet quintet after having heard the Brahms clarinet quintet and not be influenced by that? Mm. And Coleridge, you have to watch the Brahms Detective. Exactly right. <laughs> Interesting. Right. <Yeah>. And so, <laughs> no, that's Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> that's something else. <laughs> So uh, I think Coleridge Taylor, uh, he he very much has his own individual voice here, and yeah. he's he's really striving for that. He he does. I think there he dis- almost goes with a, a Czech influence a little bit. There's a there's, there's a when I yeah. You, you can definitely hear a lot of Dvorak in in this piece, but it's uh, it's masterfully modeled and it's very well constructed and i it's always so much fun playing uh with jocelyn and i love i I love working with clarinet players in general i love the clarinet it's one of my favorite instruments so jocelyn langworthy the the clarinetist who has been on our show in the past so yeah um i want to mention again this concert is happening sunday it's january 23rd at 7 p.m at the Toledo Museum of Art Peristyle. The title of the show is 19th Century Masters, and you can find information at toledosymphony.com or the box office at 419-246-8000. This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony, with generous support from the Rita Barber Kern Foundation. You can download episodes of this program as a podcast by going to our website at wgte.org lab. You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to check out all the upcoming events at the Symphony by visiting their website at toledosymphony.com and their various social media outlets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find the TSO streaming platform online at stream.artstoledo.com. My thanks to Zach Vasser, Merwin Sue, and also our special guest, TSO violinist Cheryl Trace. I'm Brad Cresswell, and this has been Toledo Symphony Lab from FM 91. <laughs>